Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer, Laura Zara-Kopinski. And today, Suzanne Park is back on the podcast to discuss The Do-Over, a delightfully warm, hopeful story about a Korean-American woman having to return to college after discovering she's a few credits shy of completing her degree, only to find one of her TAs is her old college boyfriend. Suzanne Park is a Korean-American writer who was born and raised in Tennessee. In her former life as a stand-up comedian, Suzanne appeared on BET, was the winner of the Seattle Sierra Mist comedy competition, and was a semi-finalist in NBC's Stand Up for Diversity Showcase. Suzanne graduated from Columbia and received an MBA from UCLA. Her novels have been featured in Best of Lists and NPR, Pop Sugar, Real Simple, The Today Show, and more. Suzanne, thanks for being here, and congratulations on the do-over. Thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate being back on the show. It's so much fun. Yes, I um, I was so excited to see that you had a new book coming, and I, it was just delightful to um, get to spend time with these characters. Um, I think I read the book in about a day. I just had to know what was going to happen. Really loved the story. So for listeners who haven't gotten to um, take a peek yet, can you tell us a little bit more about The Do-Over and Lily Lee? Yeah, sure. Um, I'd be happy to. Um, So The Do-Over is a story about second chances. Um, Korean-American author and consultant Lily Lee, uh, she's writing a book called How to Land the Perfect Job. Um, And she's doing great in interviews and actually lands this job at a coveted firm. And during an um, employer background check, she finds out that she didn't actually complete her college degree Um, and then has to go back to college 10 years after she thought she graduated. Um, And when she's (laughs) back on campus, she finds out that her ex-boyfriend from college, Jake Cho, is her TA in computer science. You know, it's funny. I feel like the way it happens in the book, it's like, oh, my God, it makes you want to check. Like, did I really get all the credits I need? (laughs) Like, it happens so believably that, like, there's just this little mix up. And, um, you know, she, she... walks across the stage and everything, but doesn't have the credits. And, um, and I also think we've probably all wondered like about going back and doing kind of a time in your life again. I know for me, I think about that with college, like what would I do differently knowing what I know now? So it was sort of fun to get to watch her kind of revisit that campus again and everything. So I'm kind of curious for you, where did it start out did you kind of wonder about revisiting that world or kind of where where did this book sort of like spark your interest well when I pitched the book to my editor and agent I had said well this book uh came from a nightmare (laughs) (laughs) and they're like you know never the greatest idea for a rom-com but I, I I when I pitched it I kind of prefaced it by saying it came from there there's a core place that it came from that uh, is funny, um, but it is a recurring nightmare I have had throughout, uh, probably from high school onward. And that's just, um, you know, in this dream, I, um, and I have heard this is a frequent dream, like a dream frequently um, had by other people, where you uh, are in a classroom setting, and you're about to take an exam, and you've actually never um, taken the class before. And this manifests oh, a yes, different I've way. Had that dream. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so when I was talking to people, when I was just figuring out the concept for the book um, and kind of working through how it's going to translate that, you know, very nightmare into something funny, 
there were so many people who've had a similar dream, whether it's, um, oh, I forgot to, I didn't complete this group project and it didn't, uh, and I wasn't able to graduate or I didn't take the exam, didn't take a test, didn't even know I was enrolled in the class or whatever it is. And it's an anxiety dream. Uh, and of course, um, with the more you chat with other people, you know, it seems like because it's more, um, it's more common than I realized, uh, it became this, uh, you know, a, a good premise for a book. And honestly, I have not had that dream since I've written the book. Maybe it was my own oh, way of therapy. But I... <laughs> like Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> so maybe if everyone reads this book, they will stop having this dream. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, now that you say that, I do feel like mine was more like, I forgot that I am registered for this class and I haven't been going all semester. Like, and I was, um, I feel like I used to have that dream a lot, but I don't know if I've had it since I read the book. So that's interesting. Maybe <laughs> this is the therapy that we all need. <laughs> um, Maybe because the character uh, works through it, uh, this very concept. So uh, who knows, but uh, uh, it has, it did help me somehow by putting the words on paper and formulating thoughts. Somehow I haven't had it since I turned it in. Yeah, well, I thought it was interesting, too, to kind of think about, um, you know, Lily sort of has this um, public persona with her books and everything that she's trying not to ruin and sort of like keeping it a secret that she's back in school. And so I thought that side of it was interesting, too, like the part of us that we like present to the world. But I wondered, I know it's sort of very different to be, you know, you're not having to present yourself as this like work expert <laughs> or something, but even mm -hmm. just kind of putting your work out in your rom-coms and everything. Do you kind of struggle with having a certain like public persona or like living up to a certain public persona? Yeah. A lot of the themes that I bring up in the book are ones that um, were kind of weighing heavy in my mind while I was writing it. And it was the perfect uh, type of book to kind of work through some of these themes and put them uh, on page and to see how the character would resolve them. Uh, the ones that come to mind are imposter syndrome and um, parental expectations and the concept of moving goalposts. Like when you, uh, when you start kind of moving um, up in age while you're an adult, uh, actually, even like when you start out like, younger to now present day, uh, you have these goals in life. And then rather than celebrate them and kind of see them as milestones and uh, be happy with them, you kind of move on to the next big achievement that you need to make. And I think that that is something that uh, Lily is struggling with, too, because she uh, on, you know, on paper should be really happy with everything she's accomplished to date, but she's constantly striving for the next thing. Um, and then, you know, who, who hasn't really dealt with imposter syndrome to some degree? Um, yeah. I feel like if you've had any sort of, um, you know, I guess in just any competitive environment or just have, you know, you just have friends or whatever that are, doing, um, you, you know, kind of where you are in life, and then they move ahead of you, it is something that you notice, and then you, you have in the back of your mind, like, why am I not in that place? And I think, um, and then if she does achieve success, she, you know, she is worried, you know, am I supposed to be here? 
and she in the book, Lily really um, has kind of this moment where she's confronted by uh, these two other authors, uh, Cameron and Mary, who have pretty much had everything handed to them. And then they write a book that's kind of a competitor to her book. And um, <laughs> it's a you go girl, <laughs> like rah, rah book, <laughs> but you know, it's written by, you know, co-written by a man. And it's Annie narrates it. And it's just like this absurd sort of situation where she's like, I'm writing from like my struggles and you are just writing just because you wrote, decided to write a book. And she, um, she, she does kind of work through her, um, you know, kind of all the struggles that she's gone through. And by the end of the book, you see um, her in a different place. Yeah. That um, the, the male co-author character was actually just very fun to read about because he's so absurdly awful and um, funny to kind of, I don't know, just roll your eyes at. Well, you know, the, so when she's on campus, um, she also reconnects with Jake. And I wondered how, um, if it took a little bit to think about like what you wanted her sort of like romantic storyline to be and like who the love interest was going to be, or did that kind of come to you right away? I, I think the uh, type of relationship they have, um, you know, where uh, you do wonder what ha- happened to make them break up in the first place. You know, I've read a few second chance romances, um, especially around the time that I was right before I was writing this book to see how other people handled it. uh, Because I had an idea in mind. And I think the way I um, kind of created a scenario, a realistic scenario of why somebody would break up in, you know, in their late teens, early 20s in college uh, felt very realistic to me where, you know, sometimes people have these huge blowout breakups and sometimes it's, you know, for other reasons. And so when I was trying to figure out how to make these two reconnect and then show uh, flashes from the past of when they were together and what made them fall apart, uh, it, it took time, I have to say, because I've never written anything like this where, um, it's present day with, um, you know, parts of the past interwoven into different chapters so that you have this dual timeline like situation where um, you get to see where they were and why they're at where they are kind of converging with the present day timeline of how are they going to resolve their current relationship? Because there are feelings and strong feelings of both um, attraction, but also, um, still holding on to the past and uh, anger there. And so they, um, by the end of the book, you, you see kind of where, where they're both coming from. And I think I, uh, when I was writing it, it was very much uh, more from Lily's perspective. And uh, when I ended up rewriting, rewriting the book, I ended up adding more of what, uh, you know, kind of like a little bit more on Jake's side. So you could see Lily react to how Jake is, feeling. And so I, I, it took a a bit of time to make sure that that was on page and um, something that flowed seamlessly. And then just the idea of having Jake uh, be this kind of guy that would be believable to be on campus, you know, 10 years later, uh, him still be very, you know, attractive to her and also just like, darn, he looks good, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> I had to make sure that, you know, that was also something that, you know, he's a, he's a guy that would, um, you know, she, she would want to date and also have him grow as a person up to this point and grow even more throughout the story. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I love too, you know, she, ha- she does have this romantic interest, but she also has this really strong friendship kind of, um, helping her through. And I think that's one of the reasons it felt like a very comforting read to me, even though she's facing this like, you know, nightmare scenario, her friend Mia, who, you know, ends up coming in and out of like the like campus apartment where she's living and helps her as different career things blow up. Like she's just such a good friend. And I loved reading about their dynamic together. I just thought it, I think just her parts felt very comforting to me. Like, Oh, like I just want to read about this um, relationship where like these two, like really have each other's backs. Was that something that you kind of really wanted to include like a really strong female friendship? Oh, for sure. In other books, uh, when the characters are in their mid twenties <clears throat> that I've written, um, I, I had a stronger focus on fa- her family life, the characters, family lives. And, with this book, because she's in her thirties, I wanted to make sure that, you know, the, uh, her dependence on sort of um, her growing as a person and going through these struggles weren't just, you know, depending on her family and uh, make sure she had a strong friend group specifically um, the concept of found family was going to be something that I included from the get go. So I knew that going in that she would have, a friend, uh, I don't know if it's an ensemble, if it's two, you know, two really strong friends and then a group of friends that she um, acquired during college. But I uh, just wanted to make sure that they were her support network and that they were more um, integral to her uh, growing as a person and her succeeding in the story um, versus, you know, having a family background and family life that is, you know, around centered around her parents. Uh, so when I came up with the idea of Mia, who um, I, I would say is kind of one of the, the uh, sassy best friend that uh, reminded me a, a little bit of Aquafina, but just has, I have a friend that is a lot like her. Um, she just, <laughs> she's one of those diehard friends that will like not um, fail you ever. Um, <laughs> and will go like fight for you. you know? <laughs> um, and then you have Beth, who is a little bit more of, you know, I, I you know, likened her to Ted Lasso in the story where she's just like a yes. raw raw, you can do it. And, um, and it was, we'll make you cupcakes or whatever you need. Yes. <laughs> and she's just like the comfort friend. And I, um, and I wanted her to be in the story too, because she is going to college and has a roommate and Beth is that roommate. And uh, there's, you know, a little bit of backstory on Beth too, but she's, she's there. It's her senior year. She needed friends too. She was a little bit out of place because she was a transfer student and they just found each other at the perfect time. Um, and she is, uh, she's somebody she can also depend on. So I think over, and they, uh, they bring different things to their friendship. I didn't want them to have the exact same, uh, you know, attributes so that, you know, they, you, you kind of see how they all work together um, to kind of move the story along, but also just, um you know, lift up uh, Lily during this hard time and, and help her uh, succeed. And 
you know, Mia, when I was writing her, I was like, man, that would be really fun to have like a sequel for her <laughs> because she's yes, she's so fun. And I, um, I really think that uh, her, she's such an interesting person and she's because she works in a job where she can work remotely. Um, I did bring that also in because I think there's a lot of people who can work remotely now where uh, maybe three or four years ago, they couldn't. Um, I, I did want to show sort of that lifestyle too, because I do have friends that kind of live in different places and, you know, um, have, you know, jobs re- that are remote and uh, Mia has one of those jobs. Yeah. Oh, I would love to read a book um, with her as the main character. I think that would be so much fun. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, I want to recommend another I think you'll love, Thoughts from a Page with Cindy Burnett. Cindy is a voracious reader and book columnist who gets the inside scoop from authors about their new releases and chats with others in the book industry about the latest and greatest reads. With so many books coming out each week, it can be hard to decide what to read. Cindy finds some of the best ones and shares them with her listeners. A few of her upcoming episodes include Megan Miranda, author of The Only Survivors, Brendan Janowitz on the Audrey Hepburn estate, and Rory Campbell discussing There Will Be Fire. I hope you check out Thoughts from a Page. Listen on your favorite podcast app today. Well, you know, I wonder too, did you do any kind of like fun research for the book? Did you go spend time on a college campus? I'm sure like I'm thinking about, you know, it's been a while now since I've been in college. I would imagine it would take some time to like get um, what it's like there now, right? Yes. I'm so glad you asked this question because this is probably the my favorite part about uh, the book is the research where... I was writing this, uh, I guess it's 2021 and, you know, campuses were just coming back. And so I have had many campus tours um, just maybe in the last five years because my sister works um, in uh, academia in, um, in, in various college campuses in Southern California. So I've been able to, uh, you know, visit her and then she would give me a tour of the campuses and so I have recently been on campus, but during 2021, when everything shut down, but then like coming back, I did take um, a tour of uh, a local ca- uh, college here, a big university. And one of my friends works there. And I said, am I going to be able to get on campus? Can I even like look into classrooms? And she said, well, things are very much more strict right now because, you know, um, you know, you have to have all these, I think they even had an app at the time where you had to show that you had been COVID tested recently and all this stuff. So be ready to show all these things if you get stopped by security or whatever. Oh, wow. But, but for the most part, you know, it's still a large campus and see, you know, just walk around and then just make sure that, you know, you're not being weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried to not be weird. So I visited her, had lunch, and then she showed me around. And then she said, well, you know, you can walk in the, um, through the science buildings and through the uh, computer science areas and whatever. And then, um, you know, if you're lucky, the doors might be open for any of these uh, auditoriums or lecture halls, and you might be able to catch, you know, classes that are in, in place. So, I was able to sort of pop my head in into a few of these camp, you know, these uh, classrooms uh, while they're in session and whatever, and then, you know, jump out really quickly. And so I was able to really get to understand like how classrooms are laid out and 
you know, in present day, um, what kids are uh, on campus are wearing and what they're bringing on in their backpacks and, you know, just how they right. also different. I'm sure. <laughs> yes. It's slightly different than what I remember. So it was just a lot of fun actually to kind of do this sort of sociology like experiment where I'm walking around observing and then taking notes. And when I got back, I remember thinking, I know I, c- I can visualize this completely now, how this is supposed to look with um, what the classrooms look like. And because the buildings that I had visited were both the new ones and the old ones. So I did uh, incorporate both into the, into the story. And uh, that part was just a ton of fun to, to write about because it was, um, you know, taking real college life and putting it in the book in present day. That's really fun. And it's making me wonder too, like, I feel like this book was just very fun to, spend time with and kind of like a little escape. And I wondered, as you were writing, if it kind of felt that way to you and do your books in general, feel like kind of a world you like going and getting to spend time in? I I do, especially, especially this one where, um, you know, I, I just, you know, I really enjoyed being on a college campus because it was, um, it kind of re-energized me to be honest, just to um, kind of uh, see the hustle and bustle of like a, you know, everyday college life for some of these uh, students on campus. And so um, writing this book, knowing that I wanted to incorporate not just um, author life because she is an author and has a deadline and it's sort of a, it's a stressful thing. Her having new friends and old friends also in the book. And also on top of that, being on a college campus and, uh, taking classes, all of that uh, was a lot of fun for me. And it was just a matter of how much you can put in the book and then uh, dialing other things back because I could easily, like, especially after I had visited the campus, I could easily go deep dive into like a specific, uh, you know, all the specifics that I'd seen, but I had to make sure that I be- kept that balance with making the story continue to move along. Um, the, the other funny thing is, is that uh, in in the book, she is taking this um, introductory to computer science class. And um, when I first started trying to figure out what she should do, I knew I wanted to eventually one day write a, a, a book about women in STEM. And um, computer science was one that popped into mind because my, my husband actually, <laughs> he has a um, computer science background, but he actually wrote a book called Art of Readable Code. And that... Um, I kind of use that as sort of the foundational um, coursework requirements, you know, looking through that. (laughs) Yeah. It was super funny how all that happened. And again, it was sort of all very organic on how all of this was coming together at the same time, you know, using my sister's experience or being, um, you know, on campus and then his experience, because he also um, has taught um, at, at certain colleges as well this type of class. So I knew exactly what type of coursework would need to go into this. Um, And then I had to quickly kind of learn like very, very basic things so that I, uh, so that, you know, when the, she's being asked questions or like learning new um, uh, material for this classroom um, and for this class that she would be able to, you know, it would be believable in the story. Yeah. That's so interesting. I didn't think about that. Like, yeah, you have to, you can't talk about the coursework and everything unless you know what that would all be. Um, <laughs> fun research you wouldn't think you'd have to do, like yeah. bring some of those to life. 
And luckily um, it wasn't too hard because, um, you know, I had my husband to just ask, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So would this be realistic to have in an introductory class? Um, and he's taught at um, Caltech, UCLA, you know, places like that where, you know, these classes are the, you know, 101 type classes there. So I, um, I ran a lot of things by him and, and that's on that um, in that regard. And, uh, it passed his test. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's helpful when you have someone in your life like that. I'm thinking of, um, that I had an episode, the day we're recording that went up today with Amy Tector and her new book, speak for the dead. The main character is a coroner and, um, gets involved in this whole murder mystery. And, um, part of why she picked that as a job is because that's what her sister does. So she was able to like ask her so many questions and would this be realistic? And would that have happened like that? And it's kind of fun if you can make it so that you have a, a trusted person to go to. Um, yes. If you have a yeah. subject matter expert within a phone call away, it is, um, or closer. And in my case, it's, it's really great because um, yeah. I, I don't have to uh, spend too much time uh, doing the research incorrectly on my side, you know, it's just like, yeah. you know, cause the other offer option, which was what I was going to do was just to look at different syllabi, syllabi and then compare them. And then just, uh, you know, maybe, and he had a lot of the textbooks here too. So I was able to kind of like really, um, take a look at those and try to see what she would realistically be learning, um, in her first yeah. few weeks. That's great. Well, I always love to um, end by hearing what authors have gotten to sort of sink into reading themselves lately. Are there any books you've really enjoyed that you'd want to recommend to listeners? You know, I've been really lucky in that um, I've not, I don't know if this is lucky or unlucky, but I've been in the car a lot and <laughs> driving <laughs> for hours and hours in the last, uh, since 2023 started. Um so I have been listening to a ton of audiobooks. Um, so I do have some audiobook re- recommendations in addition to just um, other reading. Um, so the book that I just finished, and I think it was coming out soon, is a young adult book by um, Michelle Kwok called The Boy You Always Wanted. And that follows the main character, Francine, who um, has a grandfather who has a um, dying wish to have a male heir, which, you know, it's kind of too late for that. But you know, She <laughs> wants to make his wishes come true. So she convinces her family friend, Ollie, uh, to be ceremonially adopted into the family. And it, it's an interesting uh, book because it kind of brings, it's, it's a humorous book, but it also takes into, um, brings in certain themes of, um, you know, patriarchy and uh familial expectations and filial piety. And so I thought that that was just a really uh, well-written and, and smart young adult book. Um, and then when it comes to just audiobooks and regular books, I've uh, both read and listened to um, Portrait of a Thief. And uh, that one is by Grace Lee. And that is an ensemble heist um, of uh, Chinese art. And that brings into uh, incorporates themes of colonialism and identity and belonging. And I thought that um, reading that and listening to it, it was a slightly different experience. And I really enjoyed the audiobook for that one. Uh, and then again, other audiobooks, uh, Love and Other Words, Christina Lauren and The Rewind by Alison Winscotch. Those um, 
I have the books, but I wanted to listen to the audiobook because I wanted to um, read them so badly. And I really enjoyed those on audiobook as well. So uh, those are second chance romances. One uh, it kind of has the romance flashbacks from high school. That's love in other words. And then the other one is a um, second chance based on a relationship that happened in college. That's the re- rewind. So I was particularly interested in seeing how she treated kind of the college uh, to present day, um, you know, dynamic. Yeah. Oh, it was all sound great. And I, um, I love a good audiobook recommendation and, and portrait of a thief has been on my list. I've got to, I'll have to try that one on audio. I um, keep meaning, meaning to get it to the top of my pile. And maybe if I had it as an audiobook, it would, uh, I'd be able to. Um, yeah. It's, the audiobooks I find sometimes I, it, it just may, works out better for me to end up listening to it either on walks and in a mix between that and on in the car. And I end up being able to finish them in within like a one to two week period. Whereas if I have it on my two BR pile because of, um, you know, how my reading uh, habits and my ability to read a lot, it, I'm just a very slow reader. So it ends up being that audiobooks make it, me be able to read more books and it just is a really great medium for a lot of the books because the actors they choose and the type of uh, prose and lyricism can really come out in audiobook. Yeah, oh, definitely. Well, Suzanne, um, thank you so much for coming um, back on the podcast. I love the do-over and I just really hope that listeners go pick it up at their local bookstore, get those library halls in. I think they're really going to enjoy it. Um, thanks for taking the time to come back on. Yeah, thank you so much, Laura. This was great. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.